Welcome back to Amerisogyny. I'm your host, Hannah Blue. You're listening to episode 33, Confronting Sexual Assault. Now listeners, this is going to be a tough one. So if sexual assault triggers you in any way, I suggest you go ahead and skip this one. I just finished up a drama called Shards of Her. It came out in 2022. It was written by Wen Yu Fang and directed by Chow Lee. In my opinion, it's a psych movie, definitely, because the main character had periods of dissociation. And if you don't know what dissociation means, it's the experience of detaching from reality. And this drama was very well written because you really didn't know if she was living in an alternate reality. And to give you more background on dissociation, it's triggered by stress or trauma. And when a person is in this state, their identity, memory, and perception no longer integrate. In the DSM-5, there are three main dissociative disorders. One is dissociative identity disorder. The second is dissociative amnesia. And the third is depersonalization slash derealization disorder. I believe the main character had depersonalization derealization disorder. And I'll tell you why. Depersonalization is having a feeling of unreality or detachment. You could feel like you're outside of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. With derealization, it's a sense of unreality or detachment regarding your surroundings. Individuals or objects can seem unreal, foggy, or distorted. People who experience depersonalization often report not recognizing themselves in a mirror, feeling like their body is not their own, or even being temporarily unable to talk. For many, there's a sense of emotional numbing, feeling meh about things that should be emotionally intense. Derealization is feeling isolated from your surroundings. Some say it's like being in the middle of a crowded party and feeling as if they're watching it on TV. Some people have blackouts, some go into trances, and some forget parts of their life or even what they were doing a few moments ago. And that is exactly what happened to the main character in the drama. The main character was raped by a male teacher in middle school. It caused significant catastrophic events to happen in her life. It impacted her personal relationships with family. She broke up with her first boyfriend. The next boyfriend she had, she kept putting him through the ringer. The teacher also raped her friend who grew up and married an abuser. And the abusive husband tried to hurt the main character. So many things were messed up about this drama. Her dad didn't believe her at first. The wife of the teacher covered for her husband, who in the end, he paid for his crimes with his life. Someone killed him because of what he did to the girls. If you get a moment to check it out, please do. It's called Shards of Her on Netflix. But that's a drama. Let's talk about real life. Our first stop, Japan. Johnny Kitagawa was a famous J-pop agency boss. Well, he sexually abused boys for years. 
Now, remember when I told you in a previous episode that a lot of aspiring idols, boys, girls, non-binary, are often subject to abuse and exploitation. Julie Fujishima is Johnny's niece. She resigned from Johnny and Associates after she gave a public apology to his victims. Johnny Kitagawa died in 2019. He always denied the allegations, never faced any charges. Well, investigators found that he abused hundreds of boys and young men over six decades. Julie was the outgoing chief executive of the company, and she acknowledged her uncle abused these young men and boys for the first time. She said, both the agency itself and I, myself, as a person, recognize that sex abuse by Johnny Kitagawa took place. I apologize to his victims from the bottom of my heart. Some of the victims were at the conference and they said they thought her remarks had been sincere and had helped them, but there was a long way to go. Male sexual abuse is never taken seriously, not in any country, because men are supposed to be strong and vital. Male victims get a tough break when it comes to sexual abuse, and it's not fair. The reactions to her apology were, I think she conveyed straight to us a message including talk of assistance, that this was well prepared in her own words and not just read from a script. Another said, I think they did apologize sincerely, but it doesn't mean this has healed me. Out of 100, I'd say it has made a 10% difference. Another man said he had nothing to be ashamed of. He said, I've learned that if you decide to act, you can change things. We don't have to walk looking down. We can look forward. Kitagawa was well known. He was called the most influential and powerful figure in Japan's entertainment industry. I quote, his agency was the gateway to stardom for many young men through the years. This company was huge in Japan. And you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. People heard rumors for years, but nothing was ever done about it. And when he died, the prime minister sent well wishes. That's how big he was. And Japanese media did not cover for him. They were on his ass, but nothing was done about it. Now you want to make fans angry? Hurt their idols. In March, it was reported that thousands of J-pop fans signed a petition wanting an investigation. In the U.S., we watched Surviving R. Kelly. In Japan, they had a documentary too. The victims shared their stories when they were teens and worked for the agency, and it showed a pattern of exploitation, and the abuse took place at Kitagawa's home and was often witnessed by other boys. An ex-pop star, last name Akamoto, said that he had been abused by Kitagawa for four years from the age of 15. The investigation resulted in 41 people, including 23 victims, and Miss Fujishima being interviewed. The investigation concluded that Kitagawa started sexually abusing boys in the 1950s through the 60s and until the 2010s. But don't go applauding Miss Fujishima yet, 
because in the beginning, she wouldn't address any of the allegations. Hmm. Here's what's interesting. She's appointed a successor, last name Higashiyama. Now, he's 56 and was one of the first talents recruited by Johnny and Associates. But he says he's never been a victim of Kitagawa, but he's heard the rumors. He said, I couldn't and didn't do anything about it. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise that many of these young men were taken advantage of. Many of them come from poor backgrounds, and they made the perfect victims for Johnny. It's absolutely disgusting. He might have escaped punishment here in this world, but I doubt he escaped it in the afterlife, and rightfully so. I always like to pull out a bit of research when I can. So the title of this research study is Male Sexual Assault Victims, A Selective Review of Literature and Implications for Support Services by Michelle Davies. Now, remember when I told you that male sexual assault victims are treated unfairly? Male Rape Myths and Victim Blame. Ignorance and disbelief about male sexual assault has perpetuated myths about this phenomenon in psychology, medicine, and the law. Male rape myths, prejudicial and false beliefs about male sexual assault victims and the perpetrators of such assaults stem from the traditional view of masculinity, which dictates that men should be strong, assertive, sexually dominant, and heterosexual. Myths such as men cannot be raped or sexual assault is not as severe for a man as it is for a woman minimize the impact of sexual assault on male victims and serve to blame the victim for his assault. Male victims use male rape myths as a way to blame themselves for their assault. For example, victims may feel they did something to provoke the assault or did not do enough to prevent it. Men, before their assault, may have never considered that they could become victims of sexual assault. A study done in 1992 by Struckman and Johnson and Struckman and Johnson says, Some experimental evidence suggests that male rape myths operate more strongly when the perpetrator is female. Now here's how bad it can get for male rape victims. Rape crisis workers even stigmatized the victims. One said he was blatantly told, Honey, we don't do men. Men can't be raped. And another said, Most males that are fondled or sodomized are males that want to be sodomized. Now that's just wrong on so many levels. If you are a rape counselor, you are supposed to help anyone, not just women. Here's what a male victim reported in a study that was done in 1994. For women, you just call your local 800 rape line and you've got everything from a place to stay, food, money. I can call up and plead all I want. I can't get a cup of coffee. And that's like one of the biggest, most frustrating things in the world for me. That's Lisak, 1994. Stigma such as this impacts the number of male rapes that are reported. The Struckman and Johnson study reported male college students reported they had been pressured or forced to have sex at some point, and most of the victims were coerced by the use of psychological tactics. 
And the perpetrators were female. Guys, this was back in the 80s. And still this stigma exists today. Men certainly can be raped by women. But most people, including psychologists, view sexual assault of men by women as implausible. According to Struckman and Johnson, because we are socialized to believe that women are sexually passive and men are the sexual initiators, it is difficult to imagine a dominant woman forcing an unwilling man to have sex or for the man to be unwilling at all if the opportunity for sex occurred. It is also difficult to believe that men can become sexually aroused and even ejaculate during a sexual assault but still report that they did not want the situation to take place, tried to stop it, and felt fear and disgust during and after the assault. In 1982, a study done by Searle and Masters reported male victims of sexual assault when the perpetrators were females felt disgusted, angry, and fearful about the assaults. One victim said, Afterwards, I felt very scared, used, and abused. The feeling is that you've been used and trespassed on. It's a very hollow, dirty feeling. According to Struckman and Johnson and Struckman and Johnson, as socialization encourages men to seek and respond to any opportunity to engage in sexual activity with women, sexual coercion by women may be conceptualized as sexual experience, even if that experience is negative rather than a violation of will. So to break it down, the stigma is if you are a man and you're hit on by a woman, you're just supposed to take the booty. And that's so unfair. And here's something that's also very unfair. The idea that a man could say no to sex with a willing woman is often used as a weapon to depict straight men as gay. So the male victims feel they won't be believed or people will doubt their sexuality. And that's why they don't report. The stigma around male rape victims has to stop. Straight men shouldn't live in fear that they're going to be categorized as gay if they say no. No one has the right to violate anyone's body. Our next stop, the USA. Former That 70s Show actor Danny Masterson was just sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for raping two women more than two decades ago. You know, Masterson is a clear example as to why I don't understand why celebrities are worshipped. They're no better than anybody else, and some of them are downright disgusting. I'm sure Masterson never thought that he'd be called on the carpet. But like R. Kelly, he's going to serve his time. The judge said, Mr. Masterson, I know that you're sitting here steadfast in your claims of innocence and thus no doubt feeling victimized by a justice system that has failed you. But Mr. Masterson, you are not the victim here. Now from the outside looking in, Masterson had a charmed life. He was an actor on a hit TV show. His wife, Bijou Phillips, is a model and an actor. He's what every man wants to be, right? Wrong. He was charged with raping three women, but he'll only serve time for raping two. Masterson didn't say anything while he was sentenced, but the victims certainly did. Jane Doe, too, said, 
When you raped me, you stole from me. That's what rape is, a theft of the spirit. You are pathetic, disturbed, and completely violent. The world is better off with you in prison. Jane Doe 1 said, Masterson has not shown an ounce of remorse for the pain he caused. I knew he belonged behind bars for the safety of all women he came into contact with. I am so sorry, and I'm so upset. I wish I reported him sooner to the police. Jane Doe number three said, Masterson's actions sentenced her to viewing my body as a crime scene my entire life. The Los Angeles County District Attorney said, One of my top priorities is to ensure that Los Angeles will no longer be a hunting ground for Hollywood elite who feel entitled to prey on women. Sean Holly, one of Masterson's lawyers, is still claiming his innocence. He says, Mr. Masterson did not commit the crimes for which he has been convicted, and we and the appellate lawyers, the best and the brightest in the country, are confident that these convictions will be overturned. By the way, Masterson's wife left the courtroom without a word. That's why some of these men get away with it. There will always be someone waiting in the wings to placate and deflect their sick actions. I truly wish people would stop worshiping celebrities, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. It doesn't matter what you identify as. Rape is heartbreaking for anyone. It's absolutely a violation that causes deep emotional scarring. All rape survivors deserve a lot more compassion and a lot less stigma. And I'm out of time. Now this was a tough one to do, but if it helped in any way, feel free to follow me on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Samsung, or wherever you listen from. Be easy. I will be back with more stories. Have a good weekend. And as always.